Ladies and gentlemen. Pacific Sound Radio. Hello and welcome to Pacific Sound Radio, your go-to source for everything happening in the Vancouver music scene. I'm James Olson and joining us on this week's episode of Quarantine Edition is the Golden Age of Wrestling. The Golden Age of Wrestling is the new solo project of Jeff Kincaid. Jeff Kincaid is a DIY electronic artist most known in the Vancouver music scene for his glitchy dance pop act, Devours. On his recently released debut record, Tombstone Piledriver, Jeff has created a contemplative and dreamy sound, which incorporates elements of Nintendo video games, film soundtracks, and choral arrangements that he has coined Glambient. Hi, Jeff. How's it going? Uh, I'm great. How are you, James? Pretty good, all things considered. Thanks for being able to connect with us, you know, during this uh, crazy time. I know, Thank you for having me. Yeah, and I know the golden age of wrestling, and we'll get into this, isn't your first project, but I wanted to back, kind of backtrack a little bit and find out some more about your background, considering we haven't had you on the on the show just yet. How'd you get your start yes. making music and what drew you to electronic music specifically? Oh, good question. Um, I don't listen to a lot of electronic stuff. I'm more of a rock guy, but I'm not very good at the guitar. And so, yeah, I just grew up playing piano and synthesizer and um, made a lot of music when I was a kid. So I started writing music when I was maybe like nine or 10. And the synth that I still use to perform for both of my projects is the one that I grew up with. And so it's very sentimental. And so, yeah, just like throughout all of my like teens, I was making synth music on the one that I own. Um, what synth is that? It is a Technics KN1200. Technics went out of business like 10 years ago, maybe. But uh, yeah, so it's a special synth for me, but that's kind of how I got into it, was just taking piano lessons when I was a kid. And then sort of, yeah, transitioning into, like, keyboard lessons when I was in my teens. Um, yeah, I can't remember the question. <laughs> oh, no worries. And it, I, I actually didn't know that. I found that very interesting that you said that, like, hey, you know, you, you said that you're more of a rock guy in terms of the music that you listen to. What yeah. are... What are some of the bands that were kind of formative as a, as a younger listener that got you into music? And I'm also curious about what you're listening to right now. I imagine there was probably some crossover maybe with some of those post-punk bands from the 80s, later 80s, that incorporated a lot of synths. Okay, yeah, so the 80s were amazing. It was not my era. I don't really listen to 80s stuff that much. Um, growing up, I grew up in Nanaimo, where there isn't like a huge, it's not like a cultural hub for, for music and entertainment and stuff. And so I was definitely a much music kid. I would just watch much music religiously in like the mid to late nineties and then also listen to FM radio. And so, yeah, a lot of the stuff that I listened to when I was younger was sort of, you know, like whatever was popular at the time. I was really into like Silver Chair and Foo Fighters and Our Lady Peace and just sort of like bigger alt rock bands. And then we transitioned into new metal. So I was really into Corn and the Biscuit and all of those bands. I still kind of love them. No shame. I totally love new metal. And also I was starting to get into like Britney Spears and Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and stuff. And yeah, that's where my sweet tooth came from. Just, I find it very interesting considering, and this will lead into a question about this, but considering the music that you have released where you know your music tastes lie obviously that's not always indicative there's never a, a clear through line but i just i found that found that very intriguing mm. yeah a, a lot of my songs for devourers are actually rock songs and punk songs but i can't play the guitar very well and so i just turn them into like synth they're like synth versions of the like rock songs basically and 
I guess uh, I want to give you the opportunity to describe Devourers to our listeners before we obviously talk about the Golden Age of Wrestling by comparison. Um, sure. But before I do that, before we get into the details of Devourers, have you ever considered reframing any of the songs that you make as that act in a punk or rock setting, like assembling a band and performing those songs in that way? Oh, no one has ever asked me that. That would be neat. Yeah. I don't know, because I, I grew up playing drums as well. Like, I was in concert band and was in a few different bands, and so drums were kind of, like, a main instrument for me. So maybe I would play the drums on it, but I don't feel like my voice suits, like, rock or punk that well. I think that it works a little bit better for Depeche Mode than the stuff yeah so that was an interesting journey for me throughout the teens and 20s being able to write music in different genres but not always nailing it in terms of um like choosing the right sound for my voice and stuff like that yeah i don't know a, a life of discovery it's, a, it's been a long journey figuring out what works for me but i think that devours was the first of many projects of my youth where i it sort of felt like the stars aligned a little bit and i was like oh yeah my voice can maybe work for synth stuff especially because it's a little bit low i don't have a tenor voice or like a really good um voice for pop music and so yeah and it's i i feel i've almost danced danced around this in a way but as you'd mentioned that devours is a project that you have been able to that has been successful um in a uh, in a sense of the word, especially in the in the Vancouver music scene, what trying to how how would I frame the question here? Do you want me to describe Devours first? <laughs> sure. Yeah, describe Devours first, <laughs> and then that'll yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, just because I haven't been on the show before. For anyone who's listening, Devours has been around for about five years. I've put out two full length albums, and it is. I guess sort of experimental synth pop music. It's very gay. <laughs> All of my lyrics are pretty like defiantly like honest about my life and my experiences coming out and relationships and stuff like that. And so, yeah, the project, I, I try to just cram a bunch of like pop hooks into it, but it's a little bit, yeah, like left of center, I would say. <laughs> so that is Devours. I also perform with giant, um, like, literally eyebrows yes. and umbro shorts and keds. And so, yeah. Yeah, the look is very distinctive. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. It, it, it's, uh, I can't think of another contemporary artist that has this, that has a look even similar to what you're doing there. And, oh. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that does lead me into the question that I have in relation to this new project, because you sure. released Iconoclast, you know, the second Devourers record just last year. Well received, <clears throat> I would say, by the local music community. Beat Room Magazine included it in their Best of Vancouver releases of 2019. Uh, shameless plug for this show. It was on my short list for one of my favorite local releases of the year. I, I love iconoclast it. I think it's a, it's a really fun, interesting, unique record. I love how well, it's, so. yeah, I love how it's experimental, but it's also accessible in terms of how bouncy and fun it is. And it, I don't know. It just, it, everything about it, works. <laughs> everything about it works for me. What? Cool. Thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah. no worries. And what, drove you to go in a different direction and start the golden age of wrestling because just listening to the album because i've listened and listened to it a few times since it's released it's it's definitely different from what you've done with devours yeah yeah um oh it's hard to sum this up because i'd have to sum up like a few years of my life but basically i was just like depressed for a while when the class came out i was starting to burn out big time because was like I consider myself to be a DIY artist. I do almost like all of my own like photo shoots and Photoshop and 
making all my music and mixing and mastering and I'm playing over a hundred shows these past few years. <laughs> like a lot for one person. And I feel like so little of what I do is actually making music because it, it eventually becomes a, a business. You're just running a business and you're handling merch orders and stuff like that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that the golden age of wrestling was my way of just running away from any sort of expectations or pressure for anything. And it, it was like my chance to rediscover how much I love making music. And so it was like a very pure project of just like, I don't feel like making like writing lyrics and I want to do stuff in a different style. And they were, they were just like, no, yeah, <laughs> it was just me doing whatever I wanted. It's not, what would you do? What wouldn't you do? Cause making music is just this little teeny bit of everything. It's loading Ooh. gear. It's, it's paying for your studio. It's yeah, exactly. That's totally yeah. what it is for me. Feeling like 7% of it was music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's been good. If I had to describe the project, I would say it's a little bit of like paying homage to the music that I made when I was young. And just some of like the aesthetic of the album is sort of like child-like drawings, um, which you can find on some of the artwork. And then some of the music is made on like broken sounding old Casio, like kids keyboards. And then there's some vocal edits on there that sound really like choppy. And so it's meant to resemble something kind of like a prequel to Devourers or like something that a younger kid would, would make like a little bit moodier than Devourers. It's a little bit more ambient, a little bit more nostalgic. Whereas with Devourers, I, I feel like I'm heading in like weirder, more aggressive yeah. territory. I think especially on the newer stuff that I've been making for Devourers, I think that my like punk like preferences and roots are coming out a little bit more. It's becoming a little bit less like pop radio-y. And so, um, so yeah, that's kind of how I describe the golden age of wrestling. I've come up with the term glambient yeah, for it, which totally, it was fun to do that and ridiculous. But yeah, it's meant to just be like ambient music, but with like personality attached to it. Because a lot of ambient artists are kind of like faceless and boring. <laughs> I am curious, though, about the name and imagery associated with this new project, The Golden Age of Wrestling. The album itself is called Tombstone Piledriver, which is a finishing move popularized by The Undertaker and Kane. And with yeah. Devourers, we've talked about how you know there's some very distinctive imagery with the eyebrows and with the face paint and the robe. And with Golden Age of Wrestling, you're wearing a golden cape that you've got draped over your... concealing your face completely and also over your upper upper yeah. torso. What What's the <laughs> yeah. connection between, you know, it's a pretty contemplative, peaceful, ambient, or glambient music, and a very over-the-top form of entertainment, a quote-unquote sport, <laughs> as it were? <laughs> um, oh, damn, that's a tough one to answer. Um, I think that I try to just... Like, for whatever project I come up with, I try to make it multidimensional. I think that was a big thing with Devourers early on. People thought it was just, like, a DJ, like, kind of, like, novelty act thing because I was dressing up a little bit. And then, but the songs are actually a little bit more, like, jagged and punky and more, like, vulnerable than people were expecting. And so I was really trying to blend a few things and work on different layers to surprise people a bit with that project. And I think that it's the same mentality with the golden age of wrestling. It's taking music that would maybe be considered like, yeah, just sort of like soft or feminine or vulnerable or something. And then coming up with a persona that is like a wrestling villain or something. It's just, yeah, trying to subvert expectations a little bit and create something that isn't boring. That's always the goal for me, at least. Whatever genre I'm working in, I just want to make something that is a little bit subversive and not boring for Vancouver. For sure, and with both of, for lack of a better word, for both of the personas or characters that you've developed for each of those, each of these projects, they're very distinctive. Yeah. I have to ask, uh, are you a fan of Bowie at all? Because Bowie was very good at developing these different characters for different styles of music that he was exploring. Yeah, um, this is going to sound sacrilegious, but I don't really know his music that well. I've known of him since I was young. He's extremely famous, but yeah, I wouldn't really um, 
like list him as an, an influence, but he's awesome. And I know, like, I agree with you. Yeah, like, he was really good at, like, recreating his, himself and stuff. I would say that Madonna has been, like, a huge influence for me, just in terms of, like, her recreating her image every album cycle. Maybe she was inspired by David Bowie as well. But, um, yeah. Yes, David Bowie is, is awesome. I guess a more, <laughs> a more contemporary example, even though I'll admit I don't listen to her music that much, Lady Gaga seems to be pretty good at doing that as well, recreating her image with different album cycles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. She's done a really good job of that. When you were writing this record, did you have... Did you know from the outset that you wanted to release this music under a different persona, or at a certain point did you think... I could maybe release this as a off, like a one-off for Devours, because as we've kind of talked yeah. about, some artists are able to just put out whatever under the same name and just expect their fans to roll with it. For example, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, for quite a while, especially when I was writing Iconoclast, I was trying to narrow my like vision down a little bit to come up with more of like a singular like sound for that project and i feel like i created a box and then got trapped in it you know because i was trying to yeah come up with like a unique sound but then i would make something with like a slightly moodier vibe or like a hip-hop beat or something like that and then i would be like oh no i can't use it for anything i'm gonna throw it away because it doesn't sound devourers enough Right, and I think that that was kind of like creating this mental like block for me. And um, but but yeah, and so I think that it's been very liberating for me to have this other project where there are no rules. I don't feel like I've like tra- gotten trapped in a new box yet for it in terms of like this specific style that I'm working with. Also, um, the whole format of like putting out one album and then going for like two and a half years or something and then putting out another album i don't feel like that's conducive for how i write and my my personal like style of producing and writing i guess and so i I wanted to have another project so that i could just be prolific and just keep putting out music and so so yeah this is is good because i write a lot more music than i let on and so this yeah (laughs) and so yeah that's why i really want to just um, yeah, and it does it does sound a little bit different from Devourers, and so I wanted to keep some other projects separate. Um, but yeah, in terms of answering the other part of the question, I Know What You Did Next Summer is one of the songs on my new album, and that was going to be a Devourers B-side for about six months. It's the oldest song on the album. And I was like, oh, what should I do? And uh, then eventually, after I had a nervous breakdown about my life last spring, I was really close to quitting music. I was really close to leaving Vancouver. I was going through a pretty hard time. And that's when I came up with this project. And it was like flowers blossoming. It was like a, a new beginning. And so I just took I Know What You Did Next Summer and ran with it. So that was sort of like the template for this new project. And then, yeah, it sort of went from there. So, yeah, no regrets. I'm really glad that I have a few like separate projects now. It's funny you mention that because I know what you did next summer is probably my favorite song off the off the record. It's uh, interesting to hear that that's like the kind of the linchpin in a way for everything else that I'm probably misusing the, the use of the term linchpin, but I'm just going to keep using that. I've never heard the term. It sounds great. <laughs> the thing that held it all together or so not the proper... It's a linchpin. It's a good song. <laughs> I really like it, and I'm uh, I'm excited yeah, I, to hear. I'm happy to hear that it was kind of the, the catalyst. Thank you. That's the, the word I was looking for. Yeah, it's lively linchpin. Cattle. Uh, yeah. Let's the cattle it. piss. Yeah. The cattle piss. What emotions are you able to release through the music that you create as the golden age of wrestling? Considering again how contemplative and peaceful it is at least on the surface level yeah yeah i think that um it's hard to it's hard to say like i was going through maybe like the darkest time of my life a year ago and i think that this album just sort of like 
calmed me in a weird way. Like I just listened to it a lot last summer with like the warm evenings, just me being isolated in my, my place and listening to it with headphones late at night. And um, yeah, I think that it just like was kind of like soothing. I don't know. It sounds just like cheesy saying it, but yeah, like going through a hard time, it, it helps me, you know, even though there aren't many lyrics on it to just sort of, to just make music. Like when you're going through a hard time, it's good to just like channel it into something. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's kind of funny that, because like for a lot of last year, I was going through a lot of isolation and like even before coronavirus. And so I feel like I'm maybe like prepared for Corona now because I've lived through this a little bit. Just I was unemployed for a long time, was single, was like, <laughs> it's a really long story. But um, but yeah, like hopefully this album can somehow maybe help someone else who is now going through what I went through a year ago, which was like grief and stress about the future and loneliness and so yeah maybe hopefully this album will be like calming for some people i do have a question about kind of the construction of the record because you incorporate elements of hollywood soundtracks chamber singing and the sounds of classic nintendo games what was your without Mm -hmm. obviously I guess spilling any trade secrets, but what was your process of picking and choosing certain sounds and combining them into these compositions? Mm, I just feel like nostalgia is like a major theme of this project, and I tied together a bunch of stuff that I liked growing up. I really like Donkey Kong Country. I really like movies like American Beauty or stuff like or like movie soundtracks and stuff like that, and so. Yeah, I don't know if I sat down and came up with a checklist of like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna combine these three exact things. It's just I was writing a bio for myself, and those were the things that I named. But yeah, <laughs> I just think that my influences came out how they how they did pretty naturally for this. And uh, yeah, again, it was uh, also like what I said a little bit earlier about trying to make something creative and subvert cliches for whatever genre I'm working in. And so ambient tends to be like a little bit like boring sometimes. And so I was trying to spice it up and throw some like interesting elements in there. So like ultimately that's a part of it too. And it's funny that you mentioned that because when I saw, I think I saw that you had a new project coming out and I saw all the imagery, all the photos that you had released of you with the cape over your head beforehand i'm like oh devours is a new side project what's this gonna be and then i listen to it and i'm like huh not what i expected oh okay what were you doing? I, I don't know exactly but i yeah I, I don't know it's just for whatever reason ambient was just like oh okay i mean that makes sense considering devours is already in the electronic music sort of sphere but yeah cool <laughs> Do you tour a lot? I do not tour a lot. I haven't, I've only played one or like a few shows for Golden Age. But for Devours, I toured Eastern Canada with another local artist here named Kellarissa. She is great. She's on Mint Records. Um, so yeah, we did maybe like 10 dates. That, that was like two years ago, maybe. And then for an artist, am I allowed to swear on this show? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. I did a little tour with Shitlord Parkerman last year. Uh, just like a BB tour, which was really, really fun. Gil is amazing and very talented. I'm not sure if you've had them on the show before. Not but yet. Yeah, they're fantastic. Okay, yeah, they're like very special and uh, like revered in the scene. But um, but yeah, so we did uh, like a little BC tour. And then, um, yeah, just like traveling to Calgary to play a show, traveling to Idaho last year to play a festival. So I've, I've played a little bit outside of Vancouver, but no like world tours or big things like that. I struggle, like, yeah, when it comes to playing in the States, it freaks me out. I've, I've gone through the process of paying for the visa and it's insane. Oh, yeah, it's like, like I'm losing a lot. And get all yeah, paid in I, I did it this year too, and uh, COVID happened. <laughs> but I paid, <laughs> and I got approved. What? What? Uh, I play in a band called Lamb's Breath and Holy Tokes. 
Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Holy Tokes was the band where we had Detroit, Chicago, two in New York, and then Montreal, Windsor, Man, Toronto. Now, now I just feel sad, Mark. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I think that um, I know like sometimes people sneak down and have like, yeah, clever ways of getting down there and renting equipment or, oh. Yeah. Well, I know uh, Dan Mangan. Yeah never tours the states yeah. he refuses to yeah and it kills me because of like the whole trope that canadian musicians don't really matter unless they get some sort of like fame or recognition in the states but we can't even like tour properly we can't go to the states it's just sort of like hopeless <laughs> we've become a little bit different over the last few years because of that, the states but yeah i've gone road tripping in the states before and it's really really fun i really do want to, to tour the states but yeah i wish it was a little bit a little bit more like affordable to go do it i this is this might come off as a, a little bit of an odd question but how do you go about naming the compositions that make up tombstone pile driver uh the song title I know what you did next summer, for example, is a fairly obvious reference to the horror movie franchise. I know what you did last summer. And like the majority of the record, it's a meditative, dreamy track. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just have a weird sense of humor. I do the same with Devourers. Some of my song titles are really weird <laughs> for Devourers. I think that it's just a, an opportunity to give the song titles some personality and the whole project some personality again it's trying to make something interesting for ambient music most ambient songs have somewhat boring or random song titles and then yeah so i'm, I'm trying to add like personality into the genre so were, were there any ambient artists specifically that you were like i want to do the exact opposite of what you're doing um, no, no, I wouldn't say so. Um, there are, are a handful of artists from the 90s that I was influenced by for this project, but not, not so much like trying to do the opposite because I thought it was lame or anything. Um, but yeah, I, th I feel like Enya was a really big influence. Enigma was a big influence and like Moby and a little bit of like Trent Reznor as well was probably like a big influence for this project. For long uh, song titles... Uh, have you ever listened to Red Sparrows? Some of their song titles are oh, like a full yeah. sentence. <laughs> yeah, oh, super long. okay. And I think Godspeed, You Black Emperor, does that a bit too. Well, almost a tangent I want to go on. It, it's funny you mentioned sentence-long song titles because I more am inclined to associate those sorts of song titles with mid 80s or mid 80s mid 2000s very different decades mid 2000s emo pop like Pan panic at the disco or fallout boy then post-rock or ambient I, I i just find that's a, a super weird connection between the two tangent tangentially Something I did want to ask about was the visual element of the record itself, because three of the four singles that you've released do have uh, music videos that were all assembled by Medusa Wyatt. I'm I'm not familiar with Medusa's work. What can you tell us about what they do, and how do you feel the videos complement the tone and mood of each of the songs? Sure, yeah. So Medusa Wyatt is me oh there you go <laughs> yeah i do pretty much everything myself but thought that it would be funny to come up with some sort of like visual artist alter ego but yeah medusa wyatt is just i me. i legitimately uh, <laughs> like googled medusa wyatt i'm like who is this person i gotta figure this out because yeah, a lot of the artists that we work that i've had on the show have worked with like local videographers and music video directors and stuff like that so I yeah. If you like the video, just let me know, and then I can make one, and then I can use the name Medusa Wyatt. I wanted to see if I would get away with it on Exclaim because I got a premiere on Exclaim a month ago, and they printed Medusa Wyatt <laughs> on there, and I was like, yeah. Let's pull it up. Well, I mean, 
up to my cap might be out of the bag a little bit here but i i almost feel that medusa wyatt's might be a name that you want might want to sit on for a future music project because i don't know i have this kind of uh kind of thought that like you know if you've got devours and you've got golden age wrestling you could almost be- build this like marvel cinematic universe cast of musical characters that you can just draw from at certain points when you need to depending on what sort of music that's you want really, to release. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. I hadn't, <laughs> hadn't thought about it that way. Um, but yeah, to, just to finish your question with the videos, um, there is actually a video for every song on the oh, album. Wow. And I hadn't been releasing any of them because the project um, live is the videos as projections. And so I made all of these videos last summer and um, was preparing for like the live show, mm-hmm. like live setup for it. And so the show that I played, it's at a venue called What Lab. I played there in February this year. It was like my debut live performance for this. And it was so exciting. The space is amazing. There's a humongous white wall and all of the videos were on there. And then coronavirus happened. And so I couldn't put on a real proper release show. I don't have a projector at my in my apartment. And so I just thought, you know what, in terms of like creating and giving out like content, then maybe I'll just turn these into official slash unofficial music videos and put them out. And so, yeah, no regrets. They're all sort of like royalty free footage that I found on the internet last year. And so, yeah, I can't take credit for actually filming any of them, but yeah, I've, I like found a bunch of footage that was like 16 millimeter, um, like chopped it all up and final cut or whatever. And so like in a way I made the, them but like didn't actually film anything it's all stuff from like the 60s oh yeah and i I certainly got that especially with the video for freckles which is uh uh, some sort of ducula cartoon or something like that i do love the video (laughs) for i know what you did next summer i imagine there was probably some editing involved i mean the way i describe that video to listeners would be like if david lynch tried to visually articulate transcendental meditation with with that video specifically like how much tinkering did you have to do or was it fairly like this this just footage that was able to tweak slightly yeah i love that footage so much i don't want to take too much credit for it i didn't do that much editing um the visuals are like in their pure form I, i didn't put any like weird filters on it yeah, so I just, it's like some of the coolest footage I've ever yeah, like seen no on shit. the internet in terms of like, yeah, it, it's incredible. A few of the other videos that I haven't actually released yet are much more detailed. Uh, one of them is sort of like chopping up Nosferatu, like the, yeah. an old vampire movie with a few other, like I sort of was like weaving storylines between different like sources and footage and stuff like that. And so like some of them were a little bit trickier and more focused on editing and stuff but yeah the video for i know what you did next summer i I didn't do it a ton to it i just sort of chopped up a few parts rearranged them but but yeah that was like one of the easier whoa yeah well Mm -hmm. and it It matches the music very well yeah it matches the music very well and that does lead me to a a question about the video for nevada what was the thought process behind that song and the I guess pinup girl footage that you were able to find. I found that vi- that that footage to be yeah, very I, intriguing. It wasn't something that I guess someone in living in 2019 2012 comes across on a regular basis. You know. Yeah, so I'll be completely honest. I mean, I was just like scavenging the the web last year and was just trying to find stuff that had a specific look sort of yeah like 16 millimeter a little bit vintage i wanted specific colors and so there isn't that much on the internet it was just trying to find like stuff that was royalty free um came up with that and was totally thrilled i love that footage for nevada um and then it, it just yeah so i like chopped it up and edited that video and it just made me like feel something special i, I don't really know it doesn't tell like a really specific story but it, it just was kind of like evocative and interesting with like with the dancing and stuff, I tried to line up the moves of the dancers to the beat of the song a tiny bit. But yeah, Nevada, I like the song Nevada quite a bit. I made that song when I was about 15. Um, so it's by far the oldest song on the album, but I re-recorded it for this because I was like, you know what? I kind of like 
that I just sort of always remembered it from when I was younger and I felt like it was kind of like emotive. And so, yeah, I re-recorded it for this album. Yeah. So question that I got that's kind of in the same sort of neighborhood is the Medusa Wyatt revelation. Tombstone Pile Driver is <laughs> yeah. your first release on Inky Records, a independent label that I wasn't able to find that much information on. Is that your own label? Yeah. Or it is Oh really? Okay. Believe it or not. So what you can what can you tell us about the label? I because I really wasn't able to find that much information about it online. That label thing is definitely something that I've done in the past just by like creating a label and putting it out there. Um, but Inky is real. Uh, have you heard of a band called Jock Tears? Yes, I have. They're a very, very cool band. Yeah, they were a buzz band maybe like two years ago. They broke oh. up last year. The guitar player is really good. His name is Spencer. And he started this label a few years ago with his friend Noah. They put out a few things on it. They put out the Jock Tears album on it. And then... Um, yeah, they were interested in putting out Iconoclast, my last one for Devours, uh, on it, but I went with a label called Artifact out of Toronto. And so this time around, yeah, they, they were very nice and said, like, let's do a collabo on this. Um, yeah, they, I guess, haven't updated their info online. I was mostly just, like, doing my own rollout for this album, <laughs> to be honest. But, uh, but yeah, I love the logo, their oh, little like, octopus logo. It was really cool to put that on the artwork. And the, the label itself was meant for microtonal recordings. And so it had a, it's a bit of like a boutique like concept label. And all of my stuff is sort of like weirdly tuned and microtonal. And so it, it fits on the label. But, um, but yeah, ultimately, I'm kind of like doing everything DIY still. And we were going to maybe put out a cassette. But then Corona happened. And I was like, you know what? This is a new project. I can't gauge at all if anyone is interested in this yet. And so I didn't want to put money into it and just have them sitting on my floor. So maybe later in the year, if I can play some shows, if anyone wants cassettes, then maybe I'll make some. But yeah. <laughs> kind of on that, I mean, I'd love to own, while this is obviously your other project, I'd love to see Iconoclast on vinyl at some point. I'd definitely buy that. Oh, James, yeah, you're breaking my heart. Yeah, I can really talk about it. Yeah, but, fair. Yeah, fair, fair, fair. There were some just kind of like everything, but yeah, I got it on CD, and that's that. <laughs> yeah, I I understand. There's only yeah. so much you can say when it comes to that. So I'm going to talk about another label that you've been collaborating with, <laughs> um, tw uh, 2010 Records. And as we're recording yeah. this, uh, I, they should be in the midst of hosting a virtual showcase that the Golden Age of Wrestling is featured in. How did you get connected yeah. with the label, and what are they all about? Yeah, the person who runs the label, his name is Charlie. He is an electronic musician. He's in his mid-20s, I think. Um, newly on my radar. I think he has put out one song recently. Um, I think graduated from uh, college, university, maybe recently. Um, but but yeah, so he started this label and um, wanted to create this thing tonight called Reality Reflections, I think. So it's a handful of other artists. There's another one from uh, Montreal. Her name is Blue Odeur, I think. Um, I had heard of her or them before. But... Uh, but yeah, so I, I guess I'm not on the the label. Yes. <laughs> I'm not on the label. They wanted me to be a part of this live stream thing. So that was really nice. But yeah, 2010 Records is Vancouver-based, and I think that a few people on the roster are also local. But yeah, it's a very new, a new label that is emerging now, so that's exciting. Vancouver needs more stuff like this. Yeah, and I made a point of reading through a promotional press release that they put out for the showcase, which I also thought was kind of a good indicator of kind of the idea behind the label itself. I know you can only speak so much to that, but what are your thoughts on, I guess, 
electronic music as kind of a sub-scene within Vancouver and what makes it perhaps different from other scenes in North America, I suppose? That might be hard to answer, but I want to kind of get your gauge on like what makes the Vancouver electronic scene unique. That's a really good question, and I wish that I could answer it, but I can't really, because there is a huge electronic community in Vancouver, but I haven't really been a part of it, right? I think that because I was singing and putting lyric onto my songs, a lot of it sort of fit into this electronic pop world more than the sort of like techno house, like there's tons and tons of electronic sort of like beat driven stuff in town. And so, yeah, maybe Charlie at 2010 Records could give it like a better answer because I don't follow that scene as much. I, I mostly follow the like punk like DIY scene. Like most of the shows I've played have been with yeah, I was going to say bands. your music totally would fit in with uh, like doom metal more than uh, than a uh, electronic show. <laughs> yeah, it's just I fit into this weird little niche in Vancouver. I guess I'm extremely shocked I've managed to get anywhere in this city. Especially when I made my first album, I was like, there's no chance I will get anywhere in Vancouver because Vancouver is a rock city yeah. for sure. Like, rock music here and i yeah didn't know like where my place was really but yeah i, I hope that the meet the media spotlight shines onto the vancouver electronic scene a little bit more there's lots of good stuff here but yeah i sort of feel like i'm in a different category almost yeah in a good way though because and this is why i'm excited that we i've had the opportunity to feature you on the show considering how much I enjoyed uh, the most recent Devour's release and just how unique the Golden Age of Wrestling's debut album has been. I, I feel in a way that you've almost carved out your own sort of niche for yourself. I did have, I, I've had the opportunity to at least see Devour's once. I think it was at Redgate. Can't remember who else was on the bill. I think Blue Jay was also on the bill. This was a couple months ago. I can't remember the exact day and time right now <laughs> but yeah i've done i've done my best it's been a tough road <laughs> i've done my best in vancouver it's a tough city do you feel though with i guess the current climate for lack of a better phrase that as a synth based artist you almost have an advantage with quote-unquote live stream culture to take advantage of what's going on considering people can't go to live shows that is another really good question and that did cross my mind a while ago when corona hit i was like you know what i can't do this like i really was not in a good headspace for it so much stuff for devours got canceled like months and months and months of like shows planned i was like really really choked about it alongside a lot of other musicians yeah. who had plans and like workout and stuff so like it has sucked for sure i think that i spent all of april just being yeah. really angry and not bringing my not bringing my a game for like you know snapping into like oh i should take advantage of this time i wasn't being adaptable i guess i was just being angry and then i came back to vancouver because i was staying with my family for a little while and then came back to vancouver a few weeks ago and played a devourers set for citr's instagram channel um, like a week ago, I guess it was the day before That's the, the album UBC came out. Channel, and, right? Um, CIPR? Yeah. It is. Was it was it Jason or your host? Oh, yeah. Oh, there okay. was no host. I just took over their Instagram and pressed oh, record cool. on my phone and <laughs> played a whole. Song. Yeah. So it was very strange, like deeply strange, because I'm used to having like a crowd of people dancing and I like beat off of the energy when yeah. I'm performing, and to like be apartment alone with no energy, no people, no nothing. It was just me looking at a reflection of myself in my phone. And it felt very weird. And I can't say I love live streaming, but that is the reality right now. And so, yeah, I'm trying to like be like, a good sport and, and like focus on that right now. What else do you have in the works to promote the release of Tombstone Piledriver? I, okay, I'm gonna. Ooh, one thing is okay. a secret. I can't. Um, 
I suppose maybe I'll play another few shows, like in my apartment. <laughs> maybe I'll post some more pictures. I still have a few videos that I haven't released, so maybe I'll put some of those out. Um, but yeah, yeah, like Corona has limited certain things, and uh, we'll we'll see. I need something to keep myself busy right now, so maybe I'll just make some new music. <laughs> Which leads me to my next question, because now you have two different projects on the go. Can fans expect more yeah. music from Devours or the Golden Age of Wrestling in the near, in the near future? They can expect Devours. For sure. Nothing quite yet, but yeah, like the... Yeah, I'm getting... I'm getting ready. Nice. Anyway, yeah, like I'm just not, I'm still like working nine to five right now. And I just put out this other album. And so like the timing isn't quite right. But yeah, I think that I'm at a place where I feel relatively good about Devours. I don't know. I was really close to ending that project last year because I was just feeling really like a lot of pressure from certain sources that I can't name. Um, and was just like, yeah, you know what? I'm 35 and I'm broke and I'm like tired of prioritizing music. I can't do this anymore. Yeah, very fascinating. And I did manage to reprioritize my life a little bit. And I'm treating music like it's fun, which it should yeah. should be. You know, like I I think that I get more creative when it's just like it's fun and there's less pressure on me. And so. So yeah, I'm in a pretty good headspace now to, to make some new stuff, and that might be a focus this summer. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing New Devours when it comes out. Thanks. Even if it's just a couple singles yeah, over I'm the next few months, I think that'll be a lot of fun. It'll definitely lift uh, lift people's spirits, because yeah. as I said, I, I, I thoroughly loved Iconoclast, and I'm really looking forward to hear, hearing yeah, more music from that project. And I also... I also really enjoyed what you were doing with the the golden age of wrestling. It was really different and also really really calming, which I think was kind of part of your intent with the the project as well. But visually, I also love how distinctive yeah. the difference is between what you're doing with Devours and what you're doing with the golden age. And mm. because every artist I have on the show has a different you know, runs in different circles of people and has a different pulse with on what's going on in this very talented city that's just underrepresented on a national level or internationally or just in general. Yep. What local bands or artists yep. would you recommend we bring on the show? Shit Lord yes. Fucker Man. <laughs> I, I have a funny story about that. So I guess that we... This is going to kind of fuck up the continuity of the podcast. But um, earlier on this evening, we had the Psychic Alliance. And the show that I saw, oh, yeah. uh, the one show that I've seen them play back in 2017, Shitlord Fuckerman was on the on the bill. And that was the first time I had seen Shitlord Fuckerman. And I was I was howling with laughter in a good way. I just loved how anarchic yeah. and in your face and cavalier the whole their whole set was and yeah i would love to have shitlord fucker man on the show in some capacity that's going to be a hard hard episode to promote but fuck it i'm shit gonna do my best to to do that um in terms of other local bands a few really good ones are swim team kamikaze nurse and necking i don't know if you've had any of them on your show but they're all so, it, funny story about uh, Swim Team, and Jeff, I think we might have crossed paths before in a, it, it, but we didn't, I don't think I introduced myself uh, to you that evening. Uh, I used to be co-workers with the bassist from, comic, from uh, Swim Team's then boyfriend. I'm not sure if they're still together, but do you know a guy named, a, a guy also named James? Yeah, yeah James I used to be co-workers with him, and I was at 
Oh, they had a band together, and I can't remember. Oh, Yoon. Yeah, I was. A, it was a Yoon show at Toast Collective, and I think you were there, but I didn't introduce myself at at the time. But yeah, uh, the swim. Yeah, the swim swim team show. Yoon is great. Yeah, James is a great guy. I. Uh, yeah, I hope he's. I hope he's doing okay. Um, I've crossed paths with him like once or twice, but uh, swim team are great. Their record last year was awesome. And I'd love, definitely love to have them on, yeah, the, like, on the show in some capacity, if, especially if they've got new music coming out. So the Swim Team Kamikaze Nurse, and what was the third <laughs> band you mentioned? Nacking. Thank you. Well, Jeff, we really appreciate the time, uh, you taking you know time out of your day to, to talk to us. Uh, as I mentioned before, you know I, I love what you've been doing with Devourers. I'm looking forward to new music from that. I think the Golden Age of Wrestling is a really cool new avenue that you're taking with the music and i think it's really good as well and with the whole with the whole glambient thing i think there's a lot of different ways you can take that especially with especially with i don't know uh the interesting way in which film is going to somehow try and restart in vancouver i think there might be some opportunities for you to offer your services towards potentially doing some soundtrack work so I'm not sure if you thought of that, but no, thanks. Yeah. I, I certainly hear that with uh, with what you're doing with the golden age of uh, of wrestling. How can listeners? Yeah, how oh, can thanks. listeners check out your music and keep up with everything you're up to? Because again, you got two channels to work from right now. So yeah, unfortunately, Tombstone Piledriver is a dark web exclusive on Spotify. That's it. Uh, it's on- <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, so it's on Spotify. Yeah, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Bandcamp. Yeah, it's, yeah. Just Google the Golden Age of Wrestling. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks again, Jeff. This cool. was a lot of fun. I definitely want to reconnect with you again whenever you have new music coming out with either of these projects. Yeah, I just want to say thank you for supporting local artists. I've I've known of your show for a while. It's awesome to finally be on it. So thanks for yeah, man. To chat. And again, uh, very happy to have the opportunity to to do so. What uh, when I figured out this was like one of your projects, it was like, oh hell yeah! It, it's not Devours, but it's something new that the same guy's doing. So <laughs> awesome! Yeah, uh, thank you again. I hope that you, you guys too. have a good night. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, James Olson. Pacific Sound Radio is produced by Mark Lingelbach. You can check us out on Facebook at Pacific Sound Radio, Instagram at Pacific Sound Radio, Twitter at Pacific S Radio, YouTube at Pacific Sound Radio. Our website is www.pacificsoundradio.com. And you can also check us out wherever you stream your podcasts. If you know a local band or artist that you think should appear as guests on our show, let us know. Fill out the form on our website or send us an email to talkpsr at gmail.com. 